KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now podcast. Each week we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Lason. Western Washington home sales are trending down a bit, but the thinking is that's only because of short supply, not a weakening market. Can interest rates cool it off? The demographics say maybe not so much. That's part of the discussion next on Northwest Now. A lot of people watching this program own homes, and you may be thinking about your kids or grandkids as you watch it. The headline is that we're moving into a period of time in this country where the American dream may not be attainable for a large chunk of the population, as the distance between the haves and the have-nots continues to expand. Builders are years behind, and two of the younger generations are deciding they want to own a home at the same time. So the low supply and high demand curves add up to only one thing, higher prices. Here's a number we look at regularly, the months of supply. In King, Pierce, Nahomish, and Thurston counties, the number is 0.58 months. That's a little more than a half a month. A balanced or normal market usually runs around four to six months of supply, but these are not normal times. The area-wide median price, the March MLS report says it's $638,000. That's up a whopping 16% in just one year. Is that sustainable? Let's talk it over. Joining us now are James Young, Director of the University of Washington Center for Real Estate Research, James Fisher, President of the Tacoma Pierce Association of Realtors, and longtime returning guest and mortgage guru Robert Lipston with Flagstar Bank. Thank all of you for coming to Northwest Now for our annual discussion about the real estate market here in uh, Western Washington. I normally start down on the end and work my way in an organized way to Robert, but Robert, you're the guy with the breaking news this year. Um, we're going to start with finance and interest rates. Uh, just lay, set the stage for us. What's going on right now? Well, we're experiencing the largest increase of interest rates since 1994. Um, I don't think there's an economist or anybody within our industry that could have predicted or speculated what was going to happen this year. Our interest rates are driven pretty much by the Federal Reserve, and I believe that they've changed the rudder, or I know they've changed the rudder to slow down the housing market. So we've seen a major increase in interest rates. Um, the interest rates today were in the high fives. They could even hit 6% by the end of the day. Now, historically, and I want to stay with you here for a second, we probably still shouldn't be freaking out though, right? Because even by historical measures, it's not all that bad, right? Well, so it depends when you got in the business yeah. <laughs> and how long and how old you are. Yeah. I can tell you when I got in the business, 18% on a first mortgage and 27 on a second was the going interest rates. But yes, historically speaking, in if you look at the last few decades, we're still way ahead. It's still a great home buying marketplace. It's still affordable from a standpoint of interest rates. Uh, at a Even at a 6% interest rate, you can still afford a home and there is products that allow you to get pre-approved and buy homes on the marketplace today. James, nothing I like do, doing better than asking the impossible questions. So you're going to need your crystal ball and some tea leaves for this one. I'm going to mix metaphors. Um, <laughs> do interest rates, can they take the air out of this market or is the supply demand structure this time around so out of whack, so much demand for so little supply, no matter what the interest rates are, 
prices are going to stay high. What do you see happening there? Well, I think a lot of it is not interest rate driven, that you have a lot of demographics and social shifts that have been moving the market more toward the suburbs. Mm -hmm. uh, people have taken advantage of low interest rates while they could. Um, but you also have a lot of cash buyers in the marketplace. And with those cash buyers, they can outbid a lot of first-time buyers. And with the demographic situation you've got now, you've got a lot of older people and then a lot of young people coming up and not much in between. And they're all going for the smaller houses. The older people who've had equity in their homes are trading down. Uh, they could go to suburban markets. They could go to a place like Spokane and trade down and also get an investment home and pay cash for it. They don't need to get a mortgage. Um, the first time buyer out there is having to compete with those guys to get what little supply there is. Mm -hmm. And so there's almost no supply available um, in first-time buyer categories at all. And a couple of generations of first-time buyers because <clears throat> the previous generation had to put it off because of college tuition and, you know, they wanted to, they also wanted to do the kind of the urban infill, hip, walk to my coffee thing. And now they're saying, nope, it turns out I want what mom and dad had too. Yeah, and they're, and they're moving to the suburbs and they're moving, if they can work from home, they're moving to the peripheral markets to get value. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that over the past two years along the I-5 corridor, uh, all up and down I-5, mm -hmm. um, and anywhere where people can kind of get that value for money. Um, I don't think the interest rates are going to take the steam out of the market because there's so little supply out there. Yeah. So as long as people are trying to trade down, you're still going to have demand in the marketplace. And the rot in the floorboards isn't there like it was last time around with basically fraudulent mortgages, let's just cut to the chase, um, underpinning a lot of those ownership models. So moving to the suburbs, James, this falls right into your lap down in Pierce County, um, which is finally having its day after maybe a decade of everybody saying, well, when's this boom going to come down to Pierce County? Well, here we are. And guess what? Places like Parkland and Spanaway. Mm -hmm. And when I was growing up and going to PLU and places, were not considered awesome places to live. That's changing a little bit. And the, the, the price is right, right? Yeah, no, it is. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that are having to drive in order to afford mm -hmm. housing. Um, you know, Tacoma in itself as a, as a core, um, we've run out of places to build in the city limits. So where do you go out? You go out Spanaway, Puyallup, Graham, out in those areas. But um, like everyone keeps mentioning, there is an inventory shortage. Um, we have first time home buyers entering the marketplace and competing with individuals who are downsizing. Um, I'm seeing a lot of individuals come from out of state and uh, I, am, I have worked with quite a few individuals coming from Pierce, uh, I'm sorry, from King County, down yeah. to Pierce County uh, in the last year, in the last few years actually. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we are seeing those markets that are starting to um, overheat. Um, even markets that you wouldn't consider being overheated because of higher price points, maybe like Gig Harbor, um, it is brutally competitive out in Gig Harbor to find yeah. a home right now. Which is amazing because the, the, the price point there has mm -hmm. got to be significantly higher than it is in some of the other places we mentioned. Yeah, the, the median in Gig Harbor, I believe, is about 735, mm -hmm. um, whereas you look in uh, Pierce County in as a whole, we're looking at about 545. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, we're, there's a little bit uh, uh, more high, higher priced homes out in uh, Gig Harbor, but um, people are moving out, out, out in East, East Pierce as well. You know, we're seeing Graham and uh, Eatonville, um, see new, 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 new home builds that are, um, you know, priced up there on the higher tier. I always thought that Eatonville was a bridge too far for a Seattle commute. When they, when they built the buttes out there, I said to myself, okay, that, that's the end. That's, that's peak suburbia. That's peak mm -hmm. sprawl. We've yep. experienced it. Here comes the GMA. That'll never happen again. Maybe not. 
Yeah, you, you can get everything you need in Eatonville without having to leave now. So well, I yeah. think there's a demographic difference too, right? I mean, COVID came along, we taught companies how to work remote. So people can live anywhere now. So Eatonville, Cleallum, wherever it may be, people will buy because they can be housed there. They can get a bigger house. Mm -hmm. Their lifestyle is different now. And I think we see more and more people moving to suburbia Number one, mm -hmm. driving to affordability. Number two, getting a bigger house because they're living at home more now because they can work from mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And we as industries have taught them how to work from home and be remote. Even as we go back, there's a lot of people that will never go back to the same lifestyle they were before. All right, I'm gonna throw one at you. San Francisco Bay Area, people started commuting out of Tracy and Stockton, over the hills and into the Bay Area. I remember that phenomenon. I worked in Northern California for quite a while and have just had family there and have stayed in touch. Are we going to get to the point, do you think, where Cleellum, um, Easton or Ellensburg or I'm trying to think somewhere up in the North Cascades is, is going to be part of the Seattle commute? Is that possible? I, I, think, I think it will. I mean, uh, you're already seeing pressure for public transit to go to Smoky Point and everything else with direct bus rides down to Seattle every morning. Uh, you're seeing all that kind of stuff. It's already here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's already here. And for the people that only have to go in two or three days a week, mm -hmm. it's already here. Uh, you were mentioning Southeast Pierce County. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're seeing a lot of people from Seattle that are commuting from there to the two or three days a week they have to go in because it's better value and they have a lifestyle that's a little bit more relaxed than living, say, in Ballard or Green Lake or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's happening today. I have, I have three employees that live in Suncadia today, and they come in three days a week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's commutable. Also, this is, um, you know, I know much, James, how much uh, researchers with numbers love anecdotal stories, but <laughs> I'm going to do it to you anyway. You know, that's the big story. One of the big stories as well, people in western Washington and Seattle, they are punching out. They're going to the Tri-Cities and Moses Lake and Spokane and Boise and maybe even crazy, the insane people out to Montana. Who would do that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Is is that a is that a rarity? Are you, I want to hear from each one of you. Are people telling you they're actually doing that? Are those weirdos or no? That's a thing. Anybody? It's happening every day. Okay. Um, I talked yeah. to the uh, realtors in Bozeman, mm -hmm. and 62% of the offers that were made were done sight unseen. Mm -hmm. I think everybody's running. Um, mm -hmm. I don't want to get political, but we. Um, There's a my, piece of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, at my Spokane office, out of eight uh, loan officers, five of them moved across the border in Idaho to escape Washington in the last uh, year. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. James. Yeah, if you look at some of the some of the data of where people are coming from, from driver's licenses and so forth, uh, a lot of people from out of state. A lot of people are coming from out of state, mm -hmm. like Spokane in particular. They're coming from California. They're coming from, you know the expensive markets that you would see in the Bay Area in Southern California, and they're moving to a place like Coeur d'Alene in Spokane, mm -hmm. and they're buying a house, paying cash, buying an investment property to support their income, and working less or working remotely. Mm -hmm. um, and they're usually, I hate to say people closer to our age um, here, sorry James, <laughs> yeah. um, but they're people closer to our age that are, that are buying those houses, and they, they can w make their work arrangements work for them mm -hmm. yeah. um, in that way, and so they don't mind that that commute they don't mind commuting by air and, and you're missing and you're missing out on arizona because a lot of people are moving to arizona right now which is booming mm -hmm. yes yeah. booming market yep mm -hmm. with yes. no water 
Yeah, exciting. And fun summers. James, is some of the inventory that you sell in Pierce County, do you, is your perception that some of those folks are punching out to Idaho and Montana and other places? Is that Are, are those some of the homes you're selling? Those are some of the homes that we are selling, yeah. A, a lot of people uh, the, in just the last month, uh, three individuals I helped move, uh, moved to Florida. Um, you know, I am seeing a lot of people come from out of state as well. Um, but, you know, I do have individuals who are actually still migrating uh, into Seattle. Um, you know, you got a promotion, you got a great job, you need to be in the, in the city, you don't want to make the, the one and a half hour commute um, each way um, from Tacoma to Seattle. Um, you know, I am still seeing individuals move up to the city as well as uh, kind of go back and forth. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. I hope I didn't step on my own question here by, you know, presenting my ideas about the, uh, the the mortgages that support current home ownership, but I'm going to ask this question anyway, just go down the line. James, do you have any sense at all that this price spike we're seeing is what we would traditionally call a bubble? Not in the traditional sense, simply because you don't have this, the supply has been able to keep up with demand. Not only that, in terms of the overall economics that you have right now, most most markets are driven by interest rates and finance mm -hmm. and Fed policy. And so that drives a lot of the housing market. This time, what you have in, ter in terms of the driving factors on the economy is the lack of labor, which is rare in America that you have a shrinking labor force and people that aren't participating in the labor market, such as people retiring early and just deciding to cash out and trade down. That's a rarity in the U.S. So to that extent, you're, you don't have the bad behavior from banks, sorry, mm -hmm. um, to, to, and, and, the, and the sort of things that were driving the market from an interest rate point of view before. Now what you have is a change in demographic and lifestyle choices, and that's changing how the economy works, and it's changing people's preferences in the housing market. Mm -hmm. And with the lack of supply generally, it also creates a problem with supply on what people want for their <coughs> lifestyle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's a supply issue. And James, I know when I ask a realtor this question, the answer is always, now is a good time to buy. Yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to concede that. Mm -hmm. With that said, do you get the feeling that this is all toppy at all or, or a bubble? Do you, are you advising people, listen, whatever you can put together, dive in and buy it because it's only going up. Yeah, no, definitely uh, no signs of a bubble from everything that we can see as well. Um, you have individuals who are buying the first home and who are just uh, – eager to get into the marketplace. Um, there was, I believe for the next eight years consecutively, uh, there's a millennial age group, which if you consider uh, 34 being your average age of buying your first home, for the next eight years, the largest segment of the population will be 34 years of age. Um, getting out of college, you know, having debt, getting a stable income and a great job now, now what's next? You know, yeah. purchase our first home. And there are a lot of people out there that are trying to get in the first home. And you know, you are right, it is, um, I think the time, to, the time to buy is when, when it's right for you, right? Um, but we're not seeing anything um, full, you know, having the rug pulled out from under us, uh, I can't see anything. Robert, yeah, one of the yeah. things I worry about is that I, I can see prices not going down, but I can also see somebody buying a 1,500-square-foot starter house built in 1955 for $700,000 and having to keep it for the next 15 years, yeah. not deciding to keep it, but they're, they're pulling forward here. So they got in. It may not go down, but they aren't moving anytime soon. They're That's not right. going to resell that thing for seven fifteen. Mm -hmm. So... What's your advice, you know, when it comes to tapped out parents who've paid high college tuitions? I mean, you're, I can see you being in a little bit of a box here trying to advise people how to manage themselves into a very high price first home. What's your advice? What do you tell people? 
Well, the show's only a little while. We <laughs> this is such a, a big subject right now, and the demographics of a, of a bubble, we're not even, we don't have one of those pillars, right? I mean, mm -hmm. our housing, I mean, our employment data, um, uh, the average FICO score of our borrowers over mm -hmm. the last century, our in-qualifying standards, none of that's there. So when you talk about the investment in real estate, I'll just say that there is a cost to waiting. And if you were sitting on the fence in October and you said, I'm just gonna wait a little while longer, you might have waited yourself out of yeah. the dream of home ownership. And when interest rates are stable or increasing at the rate that they are today and the appreciation factors are out there, by waiting you may lose your opportunity. And mm -hmm. for the first time home buyers, it's your first segue into wealth. Yes. And if we miss building. that opportunity by the baby boomers and the first time home buyers crashing the boards of the low uh, priced homes and we miss that opportunity, we create an unstable industry and real estate market because of the fact we won't create wealth and there won't be move up buyers and there won't be people mm -hmm. to buy that next house. That's me segueing though into the question that you said, not just an unstable okay. industry. James, how about an unstable society where we end up with the haves and the have nots and that's even further aggravated where home ownership and perpetually renting from BlackRock is one of your two futures. There is no middle way. Well, yeah, you're gonna live somewhere. And so you're either gonna own it or you're gonna rent it. And so um, with the lack of first time buyer housing that's supplied to the marketplace, and this is almost everywhere um, in, this, in this region, that you're not gonna have home ownership available to a lot of first time buyers. All the areas that have been gentrified and they move out for value, they're disapp they've disappeared in the past few years with the low interest rate environment. Just for an example, I mean, if you look at Pierce County, where we are, in 2017, I, I mean, you were looking at affordability that pretty good for a first-time buyer. Now, assuming 70% income, looking at 85% of the median house price, 5% mm -hmm. down, FHA sort of minimum guidelines to get a house, right? Pierce County was still unaffordable, but not that unaffordable. It wasn't like King County or anywhere else. You could still get value, but it represented something like 40% of the market. Mm -hmm. So 40% of the houses sold in 2016 and around then was around was affordable to first-time buyers. Mm -hmm. Last year it was under 10%. Yeah. So under 10% of the entire housing base that was sold last year, all the houses that were sold weren't affordable to first-time buyers under FHA criteria. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've got 10% of the transactions out there and all the first-time buyers trying to chase them. So yeah, it creates a lot of problems. It creates problems for the rental market. It, I could just go on about this forever. So, so James, you've got first-time home buyers looking at a $600,000 house. 60 times two is 120 is the down payment they need on an 80-20 LTV loan. How, what are you, how are you advising them to come up with 120 grand? What do you say? You know, um, that, is, that is one of the largest challenges because there are going to be individuals in the marketplace that can tap into let's say the equity of a parent's home. Uh, there are some individuals who have that safety net who can help them obtain the first home and there are individuals um, who are using down payment assistance to obtain a first home. And um, unfortunately what we're seeing are the ones who are um, you know, able to tap into I says, uh, wealth and housing uh, to grab their own first home. Um, the individuals with down payment assistance are are continuing to make offer after offer after offer, you yeah. know, uh, sometimes upwards of uh, a 30. I have Ugh. one personal client that is on number 36. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Mm -hmm. Robert, go. 
Well, there's two things I want to say. I want to go back to the beginning on interest rates. Okay. The Fed controls the rudder, okay? In 2017, they said, we're going to buy $100 billion a month of mortgage-backed securities, okay? And when COVID hit, they stepped in and dropped the Fed rate to zero, right? They watched the housing market and appreciation and inflation. So what did they do? They put their foot in it. It surprised them and they put their foot in it hard. They're putting yep. their, their foot in this to slow down the housing market. This is their attempt to do that. That's the first thing. The second thing is what I talked about two years ago and I'll try and make it fast. Okay. What happens <laughs> when the housing market slows down or what happens when the mortgage industry slows down? The shareholders and the boardroom doesn't say you're gonna make less profit. What you do is you become creative. I guarantee you they're not, they can't let it happen again. The Fed will not let this train get off its tracks again. They're gonna keep it on its rails. And I really believe you'll find product mix that you haven't seen ever before. So and we're starting to see it Creative today. finance. Higher loan to values again for people that qualify, that have the ability to make their payments. Remember, right. um, employment is not a factor right now. We have a huge employment marketplace. Mm -hmm. So that was a big problem before. I, I believe you're going to see more products, higher loan to values, less down payments, and more product mix to get people in homes. Great conversation. Thanks to all of you for coming to Northwest Now. The bubble burst last time because the housing market was a fraudulent house of cards built by the mortgage industry, the feds, the rating agencies, and the financialization of toxic mortgage debt. The bottom line, this time around, loans are sound, jobs are plentiful, and there are millions of people ready to buy homes the moment they're built or go on the market. It's going to be interesting to see how home ownership, one of America's greatest engines of generational wealth, holds up under the strain. I hope this program got you thinking and talking. To watch this program again or to share it with others, Northwest Now can be found on the web at kbtc.org. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Northwest Now. Thanks for taking a closer look on this edition of Northwest Now. Until next time, I'm Tom Lason. 